Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm super excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Ginny Dietrich, and we'll explore how to plan for a inevitable crisis that you will be facing in your business, regardless of what size business you have. Now, I just want to really encourage you in the latter half of this podcast, after we talk about a lot of the questions that I have, we dig into a lot of what you could do to build a crisis plan. And I really think you're going to want to pay attention to this podcast episode. By the way, if you want to reach me, email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And for those of you that are regular listeners, you may have noticed that I did not say my hello, hello, hello at the beginning. Wondering why? Got a bit of a sore throat and it's hard to say that <laughs> quickly and make it sound good. So I just decided to skip it. So if you thought something was different, that's what it was. All right, let's now transition to this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip. Today, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I found a cool online tool that lets you see the way that you've got your marketing set up across all your different social sites all in one glance. Tell me more. So this is basically a macro level tool. It's called Lately. And what this does is you go to their site at trylately.com and you enter in your website and your email and then it will scan your URL. And then what it does after that is it brings up all your different social sites. It when it goes out there and it finds your, you know, your Twitter, your Pinterest, your Facebook, your Instagram, et cetera. And it shows you what you've got filled in on the bio there as well as your naming scheme. So for example, we are SM examiner on most everything. Right. And then it'll bring up the avatars or profile pics, et cetera, that you've got for all those accounts. And it will grade you on the consistency of your messaging, your naming, your imagery, et cetera, and show you, oh, you know what? (laughs) We've got uh, a bio in our Facebook that's way different than the one on our Twitter and it it help you know it basically it gives you a macro level report that allows you to get everything back in line with consistency in your messaging huh so have you tried this i did so i plugged in socialmediaexaminer.com and it brought up a good uh, we got like i don't know i think it was like an 80 something and i found oh, you know what? We should probably tweak that bio here or there. But for the most part, we were consistent across the board, except for where like our cover image was social media marketing world instead of, uh, you know, social media examiner with good reason. So what's the cost on this? 
this is a free tool. Like this is literally one of those things where you go try it out and it's free. Uh, it's one of those things where, uh, there's pricing down the line later. If you want to do some small business or nonprofit type, you know, products, locations, audiences, connecting different accounts and things like that. But how this you, is a free tool. So oh, I see. So basically you have to scroll down a little bit to actually see how it works for free. And because if you go to the website and you click on pricing, you could be a little shocked because it's not inexpensive. Right. It looks like it starts at $229 a month. But if you scroll down and you just put in your website and your URL in your email address and scan your URL for free, that is the free something that you will get from it. Do you feel like that free something you get is sufficient enough that people can, it's worth it and they're not going to, you know, get, if you will, people contacting them, trying to upsell them? No, I got an email that said, Hey, thanks for trying us out. And, uh, thanks. You know, here's the link to your report so you can go back to it at any time. Right. Uh, but other than that, and honestly, I think the value here is how long has it been since you've really looked at your, um, you know, portfolio of social channels closely enough for consistency. Right. Okay, cool. Thank you so much, Eric. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for this week's interview with Ginny Dietrich. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Ginny Dietrich. If you don't know who Ginny is, she is a crisis management pro. She's the founder and CEO of SpinSucks.com, a site that helps businesses thrive with their public online communications. And she's got a brand new podcast called, guess what? Spin Sucks. <laughs> Ginny, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here, Mike. Welcome back. It's been a long time, like four years. I know. I think we decided four years. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I can't even believe I've been doing it that long. So today you and I are going to explore when and how a business should respond publicly to Mm -hmm. um, a crisis, whether that happens inside the company or whether that happens outside the company. And Mm -hmm. this is something Mm -hmm. I think that happens a lot and we don't talk about a lot. So I thought you'd be the perfect person to bring on. Um, First question is... Why is it that nowadays it seems like they're in the media and in social media, there's like a crisis happening constantly? What's going on? <laughs> Almost every day. <laughs> yeah. You know, I talk about this a lot about how, you know, it used to be that there were very specific PR agencies focused on crisis communications and that's all they did. But but they were able to specialize in it because the crises were so few and far between. And today... 
you know, somebody can be upset with a flight that they were on or a hotel stay or that your uh, crockpot killed a fictional TV character and take to Twitter or Facebook or any social network and it just blows completely out of proportion. So that's really what we're looking at today is everybody has a, a megaphone because of social media. And, it, you know, if it used to be that if you were upset with somebody or something, you would tell your neighbor, you would tell your friends, you would tell your family, but it was contained to maybe 30 people. And today you can be upset about something and get it out to hundreds of thousands of people. And it's kind of a fascinating dilemma from the business perspective, right? Because right. we have all these tools that allow us to kind of monitor things like sentiment and what people are saying about us. And then we also have the ability for someone to tag us or easily share information with us. And it seems like the wrong, the right person saying the wrong thing, <laughs> you know, to their audience can just pop and all of a sudden create a a nutso story where someone else saying the exact same thing may not have that kind of a situation. So, um, you know, that, that's like a great transition to my next question, which is that we could be in this sky is falling mentality, right? Where every little <laughs> negative thing that's said about us creates a crisis, right? So how do we discern, how do we know, you know, what to worry about and what not to worry about? Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's certainly different levels. And one of the things we talk about is an issue versus a crisis. And an issue really is, you know, is this something that is, I hate to say this, but troll enforced? Is it somebody who's just, you know, antagonizing you or pushing your buttons, but isn't really going to go anywhere? And if that's the case, then that's one approach. Is it something that you know, it's it's pretty bad, but it's going to blow over in the 24-7 news cycle and won't be a big deal. But you really want to focus that on, is it going to lose us reputation? Is it going to lose us money? And if the answer to either of those questions is yes, then it becomes a crisis. So most of what we see, especially on social media, is an issue. It's never going to cause a you know, stock price decline or a loss of customers, a loss of revenue or a loss of reputation. It may be really painful for a day or two or maybe even a week, but it's not going to cause any of those things. So as long as it doesn't cause reputation or money loss, you really can categorize it in an issue. Once it starts to cause reputation or money loss, then it becomes an actual crisis and that's a different level. So you, when you think about how you approach things, you know, from the troll induced to all the way up to a reputation or money loss, you, you have different levels. So you could say the troll is a, a level one and the money loss or reputation loss is a level 10. And how do you respond to each level in between? Got it. So something like Cambridge Analytica for Facebook would be a level 10 uh, for sure, right? I don't even know that it, that it would be a level 10. Only because, because only because the whole world is talking about it and it's not going they, away. The whole world is talking about it. And it is, it. It is impacting the stock price, right? I mean, it is. But after he, after he testified before Congress, stock prices went up. So when you think about it from that perspective, is, has it hurt their reputation? I think they took a little reputational hit, but it, I, if, if I were working on that, I probably would have categorized it at, at an eight or a nine. Okay, but the fact it. that you know, stock prices are increasing and they're not losing money and that kind of stuff doesn't really put it at a 10. Right. But 
prior to all him, his testimony, it might've been a little higher, right? I mean, obviously, oh, the, yeah, for obviously sure. and that's they probably handled it really well, right? Because like, they at, handled it so well. <laughs> but at the front end of it, it was definitely a crisis unquestionably, right? You know? Yeah. And I think they, it still is a crisis. I just don't think it's, it, you know, we've already seen that it hasn't cost them any money. I do right. think they've taken a reputational hit, right. but it's also hard because we're in that marketing bubble where, you know, we're completely obsessed about it exactly. and paying attention and all of that. So it may look like a reputational hit to us, but not necessarily to the outside world. Okay. So let's zoom in on this issue thing a little bit. So, um, a troll versus a, will it blow over? How do we handle that kind of stuff? You know, it's funny and I keep thinking about this. Uh, Jay Barron and Mitch Joel had this conversation in a Facebook group the other day about whether or not to respond to trolls. And and the the context that was they were talking about in relation to reviews on your books. So on Amazon, when people leave a review, do you respond to the really negative one star reviews or do you let it go? And Mitch Joel's response was, well, I wrote the book. And it's kind of like art or music. It's not for everybody. And I figure that every that there are people that agree and don't agree. And Jay Bear's perspective, of course, Hug Your Haters, is actually you should respond to them because you're hugging your haters and you're, you know, giving them, you're making them feel warm and fuzzy. I'm more on the Jay Bear side from a crisis perspective because while you're not necessarily going to change the mind of the troll or the negative reviewer or the person who's upset with you, the other people who see your response are going to be incentivized by that. So with the ability for people to leave negative things online anywhere, anytime, it's in how you respond that sort of mitigates that. So we always say leave a really professional, non-emotional response one time. If the troll comes back, you can certainly say, I'd love to have this conversation with you offline. Let's connect via phone or email right. or text, wherever. But don't do not continue the conversation. So respond once. If they keep coming back, just just ignore them. And you're really doing that so that anybody else who reads that negative review sees that you've addressed it and tried to be professional and sane about it. Now, I will tell you that I have had my fair share of trolls and a true troll versus a hater is a very different animal. Yes. And when you have someone who's just got an outright vendetta against your company and they're going to do everything in their power to just smear you everywhere with the hope that it's going to hurt your reputation, you got to somehow address that at some point, right? Because you then, then yes. it becomes a bigger issue, right? It is. And, you know, it, it's really about you addressing the that person by being professional and sane and kind and saying, you know, hey, this is what's going on. And really, it's not you're not going to change that person's mind, and they may continue to come back at you. It's really about letting the rest of the world see that you're the one that's right. rational about it, not this other person. Perfect. Now, to the other thing, which is it will will it blow over? How do you discern that, right? Because some stuff escalates and doesn't blow over. So, how do we know, quote sure. unquote, whether to address an issue that's not from a troll? And that may or may not blow over. What do we do in that situation? So when you're thinking about your, your crisis communication planning, what you want to do is really look at every scenario. And you want to say, you want to sit in a room for at least two hours with 
you know, a handful of people and they're going to represent different parts of the company. And you, you're going to say, let's think of every single scenario that could affect us. And it's everything from a troll or a hater to, you know, I was terrible and stole money from the company and I'm going to jail. I mean, it can be, and everything in between, and it can be natural disasters. It could be, you know, employee shootings. It could, like you think about everything and then you start to bucket them out and say, okay, let's say that there is a, a hater and they really hate what we have to say and do, and they, they're going to do everything that they can to bring us down. Well, now they've started to that and and we've responded to that but that's a level 1. Well now what they've started to do is get people other people involved. And so now instead of 1 you have 5. So maybe that's a level 2. Well now that's starting to grow and there's 10 or there's 50 or there's 100. Now you're going from a level 1 to maybe a level 6 or 7. And how do you respond to that? So it's really about the planning process and figuring out okay, is it one person? Is it a handful of people? Is it the gross minority who is very vocal? You have to figure out those pieces of it and plan for, plan accordingly to that. Well, I'll just share a little story that I know you know about, but not everybody listening knows about. We had a, uh, back in the early days at Social Media Marketing World, we had a, uh, a song, which I will not name. Um, <laughs> um, and we posted it up on YouTube and it got picked up by uh, Gawker. And yep. And Gawker wrote this really, really negative review on this. And then all of a sudden, this thing was trending in the top 10 on YouTube for all the wrong reasons. And right. then all of a sudden, we were on VH1 and yep. like all this craziness. And the media was reaching out wanting to talk to the employee who was part of this thing. Now, here's the thing. It only captured what was happening on the stage. It didn't capture what, what the audience's reaction was. It had no context. So, right. so it looked like it was something different than what it was. And after a lot of internal communications and talking to you, we decided that this is a great example of something we're just going to let ride. And we're yep. not going to publicly talk about this at all because um, it was more of people making fun of a piece of content that we produced. We chose not to remove the content because... At that point, you know, people were already making cover art off, I mean, cover album stuff off of it and right, stuff. Right. But eventually, um, we were, after the thing had millions of views years later, um, we were able to exercise our um, rights to the copyright on that and remove all the illegal versions of this video everywhere on the internet. And then we, wow. were, we were able to keep our copy private. And then we could prove to all these other entities that we own the exclusive rights to this video. And this thing eventually just died, you know, um, because it was one of those kind of things that kind of made a mockery of, of us and the people on the stage. But we just decided we're not going to let anybody in this company make any public statements and talk to anybody. We're not going to license out the use of this video. And it did create a lot of PR. Even this year, people are still trying to steal that video and republish it. But, but, you know, we just chose in this case to just let it ride because it was just people finding something that we thought was entertaining to be ridiculous. And we just let it roll and it didn't seem to hurt us at all. And that's an example of one where we just knew that if we talked about it, it was just going to make it worse. Right. And that's when we talked about it and when I talked with your employee about it, that's what we talked about is, okay, is this going to hurt your reputation? No. And, and 
is it the pe- are the people who are glomming onto this potential um, society members, event attendees? No, you know, they weren't. Are, is it going to? And yeah. they weren't. They weren't. It was the outside world who's glomming on. For Here's no what's wrong with social media marketers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Right. So the that's what we talked about. And so we, because of that, we were able to say, okay, here's, here's based on all of these things. And the, and the answer to the reputational and the money loss questions was no and no. So what do you want to do? And, and what we decided is if, if you contributed to that conversation, it was going to continue. So there was really no reason to do that. And it wasn't everybody who is a, a, it was customer, subjective because it was unquote, entertainment customer too. of you is supportive of you. So it didn't right. make any sense to, to add any fuel to that fire. Exactly. Okay, cool. Now, um, so we've been talking, we're going to get into more planned stuff if we, if, if we have time a little later in this dialogue, but I, you know, most of the stuff we've been talking about has to do with like stuff that happens outside the company, meaning customers, right. trolls, yep. haters. Um, what about when we have something going on inside um, the company, um, when should, when should a problem internally be discussed publicly? And I would imagine you could probably give some examples better than I could. Um, but there are things that go down inside the company. Maybe you have an employee who (sighs) publicly did something, you know, and Mm -hmm. everybody's Mm -hmm. affiliating them with the company, or maybe there's some serious financial problems, or maybe you're Mm -hmm. about to go bankrupt. I don't know. I mean, when, when do you decide to take these internal matters that are happening with people inside the company um, public or when do you keep them internal? I mean, it, it depends on how transparent you are with your organization. It, you know, Buffer is really well known for literally opening up their doors and, and windows and letting everybody see everything. So for them, I would say that probably, you know, if you're about to go bankrupt or there's financial issues or something like that, it's probably something you should disclose because that's how you're running your business. Right. For the rest of us, you know, it's, it, it, I mean, it, I hate this answer, but it depends. I'll give you a really good example. We had an employee who was accused of plagiarizing somebody else's content. And I went to the employee and I said, this has come, come across my desk and I'd like to hear your side of the story. And she swore up and down that she hadn't plagiarized it. It just happened to be coincidence. It was the two articles were pretty close, but it wasn't like it was copied and pasted. I mean, it was pretty close, but not, it didn't, I mean, from comparing them side by side, it didn't look like it had been plagiarized. Um, and they had run about three days apart. So this other piece had run three days previously. And I mean, I supported her. I, I stood up for her. I went back to the guy who said that she had plagiarized and I said, look, I've done this. I've Compared the two, I'm really sorry, but I just don't see it. And about two months later, I just happened to see something come across our Google Drive. And it was it was the article that she had written in draft form. And it was the same day and it was a copy and paste. And then she had gone in and changed words around so that it didn't look like it had been plagiarized. Oh. And yeah. Like, it's one of those things where you're like, wow, I believed you and I supported you. And I even went back to this guy and I mean, I got the attorney involved and everything so that he couldn't come down on us. And so two things happened. Well, this is what we decided to do. I went back to him and I apologized. And of course, I had to get, you know, the attorney's approval on all of that because of liability and all that. And and I just said, I am 
like I, I'm so sorry. Of course, as a leader, you want to support your, your team, but here's what's happening. She's being let go, you know, and I went through all that. And then I decided to make it public. And I, I, I created sort of a case study for lack of a better term on the blog to talk about, this is what happened. Here's how it came about. And then I accidentally saw this and we discovered that it was in fact plagiarized. Did you want to get out in front of it just in case? Is that why you did that? Yeah. Yeah. And then it was a non-thing. I mean, it was, it was a non-starter. It just completely went away. All right. What do you do? You know how there's trends that come and go that are hot button issues. Like, um, like for example, the Dukes of Hazard car, you know what I mean? Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. With the stuff on top of it or, you know, the Me Too movement and all these kind yep. of things that are highly, um, highly sensitive, big, you know, rights-based movement stuff. What happens when you have an employee that publicly comes out in opposition to some of those kind of things and then all of a sudden that movement targets your business? Because I can imagine this stuff happens and maybe on a smaller scale all the time where like someone will say, hey, one of your employees believes in this and if your employee believes in this, it means you and your company believes in this and it means we're going to boycott your company. I mean, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about that happens sometimes, right? So yes. like, how do we deal with that kind of stuff? Because that has to do with an internal person, an employee taking a stance on something that could bring heat to the company. And this is, again, it, and it depends situation. But I will tell you that if an employee is using their personal page to all or personal social network, for instance, to also talk about the company, then they've, they've crossed a line from the personal to the the professional and vice versa. Um, so you kind of have to be careful with, you know, freedom of speech and, and all the things wrapped into it. And you can't fire somebody for what they they've posted on their social networks personally. But when you start to cross those lines, that's when it becomes kind of blurry and the very first step you want to take is having have a conversation with the employee to say, look, you represent the company. And even though this was on your, your personal page, you also post about business stuff there. And so you ha- we have customers, we have clients who are friends or, with you on your page. And because of that, it looks like your, repre- your opinion is representing the 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 company. fact of the company or the yeah. yeah the opinion of the company so of course there there's the whole you know what's ever tweeted or posted is not the opinion of my company you can put that and you can insist that your your team put that in their bios um so that you can separate the two and uh, you know most people are pretty reasonable when you have that conversation and you can say you know, I'm not going to ask you to take this down, but here's here's the perception and here's what people are saying. And it doesn't represent the opinion of the company as a whole, because we tend to stay away from those, you know, political issues. conversations or yeah. opposition or whatever. We, we stay away from that because we have customers or clients from around the globe who have different viewpoints and we want to be inclusive, inclusive of them all. Typically, people are pretty receptive to that and will do what they think is the right thing. And, you know, if, if they want to have those conversations on their social networks, awesome. There's That's why there's privacy settings. Okay, let's ratchet it up a little bit. Let's say someone in a leadership position in the company is arrested uh, for, you know, public intoxication, you know? <laughs> I mean, this stuff happens, you know? How in the world do you deal in that kind of situation, you know? <laughs> 
or you've got someone who's a thought leader, you know, that you're, Ugh. that you're working with and they do something really stupid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people, I mean, look, you know, this I happens, mean, right? right? I mean, this is not, I know, I know. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. Uh, you know, people are human. We make mistakes. And right. I think the way in the way that we handle things in general with when we're not in a crisis is always helpful. So right. this is where we're going to cross over into into reputation management a little bit. But this is where reputation management is helpful because, you know, in the example I use with the plagiarism, because we have such a good reputation and have such fierce, engaged, loyal brand ambassadors, they all came to our defense when I said, look, we made this mistake. And as the leader, I made a gigantic mistake. And I told this guy to bugger off because he was wrong and he wasn't wrong. Right. Um, and that because, because we, we continue to work on our reputation and it's, you know, so important to us, we were able to sort of get over that. So, you know, if, if a, leader is being arrested for public intoxication or a thought in, uh, an in thought leader in your inside your company is in opposition to I mean we'll, we'll go with the example you use with me too you know whatever it happens to be the fact that you have you continue to work on your reputation and you have a good reputation people are really forgiving when you do make a mistake because we do we make mistakes we're human right okay um, next question is, We've been talking a lot about transparency. You were a great example of it with the blog post that you did. You mentioned Buffer earlier. Um, many of the people listening work for companies and the leaders of those companies, um, they probably would love them to be more transparent. Sure. So how first question down this road is how can we encourage our leaders to be more transparent? Any recommendations? One of the very first things that we do when we start working with a new client where that's an issue is we encourage the executive, the CEO to get out and walk around the business. So if it's, you know, walk, if it's a man, manufacturing company, actually walk the manufacturing floor and talk to human beings. If you're in a virtual organization, pop into Zoom or Skype with, a, with somebody on your team once a week or once a day. If it's a retail location going out and talking to employees that are on the floor, you know, like actually going out and talking to the human beings that you work with. What's funny about that is when you first start doing that, people freak out. Oh, yeah. Like, they they straighten up because here comes the boss, <laughs> right? right? Why is he here? What is she doing? Like, <laughs> I actually love to do that to new employees. Where do I you recommend putting on a wig and a mustache? <laughs> I, that would be amazing. It's kind of like the, uh, what's the undercover show boss, where they yeah. go behind the scenes? Yeah, undercover boss, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. But it's the same thing. It's uh, It allows you to not only hear what challenges and, and issues that they're having, you know, in the tactical environment, but it makes you a much more transparent, approachable boss. And that's what you want. And, you know, I, I will say it's not an easy road. And typically it does take an outside, outside counsel to get that done because you can, inside the organization, can talk and talk and talk about it until you're blue in the face. But until somebody from, because people always um, like the experts better than whoever they have on their team, which is dumb, but that's how humans are. When you bring somebody in from the outside and that person or team says the same thing that you've been saying, all of a sudden 
Oh, okay. So it's not an easy road, but that's one of the very first things that you should do to make sure that they're leaning, they start to get to that transparency. It's having lunch and learns. It's one of the things we do with one of our biggest clients is the uh, employees get to vote on 10 colleagues every quarter to have lunch with the CEO. And so he, he will show up into the, at their location and have a lunch with these 10 employees and they can talk about anything and everything. And again, in the beginning, it's really awkward and people don't want to say anything and they don't know if, you know, if it's really, if the CEO is really open to hearing their challenges or issues or ideas, but then they start to get comfortable and it becomes kind of a thing and they're really excited to be nominated to have lunch with him. Um, I think we're like, this, this is the fifth year that we've been doing this and people love it. It's a huge, huge honor to get nominated to have lunch with him. And they get to, to express their ideas and talk about some of the challenges that, that they have. And then he goes back and he fixes them. He figures out ways to fix them. So there are lots of things like that that you can do to get them on the road, on that road. And what you find along the way is that the transparency and the authenticity and all of that comes, comes through in it. So at a certain point, the hope is that by doing that, you're getting them more familiar with the true good, bad, and ugly of what's going on inside the company yes. so that they could talk publicly, right? And be somewhat transparent yes. publicly because yes. like a good example of this is in my small company, which I'm the CEO of, I went live on January the 11th when the whole Facebook mm -hmm. algorithm changed and I was very transparent and very much shared my concerns that this could be kind of the beginning of the end for exposure in the newsfeed, you know? And mm -hmm. um, I took a little bit of heat from some people saying that I was a fear monger, but the vast majority of the people actually really appreciated hearing from me because they respected the company, they respected me. And because I was so able so quickly to get out there and talk about my honest, true feelings of how I felt about this situation, it led to that video being watched almost 600,000 times and all sorts of press opportunities and stuff. So with transparency comes a little heat sometimes though, right? I mean, and we sure, have to be absolutely. careful. Any advice to, and, and concern sometimes for the employees, right? Like what's he gonna say, <laughs> right? And we know this, like if you worked in the president's cabinet, right? You gotta be concerned. <laughs> That's a totally different. But but that's like the ultimate transparency. You know what I mean? So the ultimate transparency at five o'clock in the morning tweeting. Yeah. So like any wisdom on on that front as far as like is it good? Is it better to be? Is it better to be um, trained up on how to speak transparently to kind of build a better reputation and 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 maybe get ahead of issues um, than to say nothing? Because in this era, it seems like that's rewarded, that transparency, that public transparency. It is rewarded. And I would also argue that there's a difference between being transparent and going off the range. Like I can't imagine that your colleagues, your employees would be freaked out about what you're going to say next because you're not saying anything that's antagonistic or, you know, you're not, that's not what you're doing. You're saying, oh my gosh, Right. The Facebook algorithm has changed. Hey, guess what? We're social media, social media examiner, um, social media. <laughs> we, I, we should comment on these things. So you're not going off the range. You're just being transparent about the fact that 
this could actually be a bigger deal than we think it might be. And for brands, this could hurt us pretty badly. So that there's a difference between that and, you know, like lambasting Facebook and saying, delete Facebook and get off of it. You know, you're not going off the range right. from, from that perspective. And I probably could have never done that if I hadn't been practicing for a long time about being in public and talking about things transparently, you know what I mean? Because of right. the live show right. that I was doing. So right. I guess the message is that if you have a leader who is able to communicate and has an opinion that the audience will resonate with, right? Then maybe it does make sense to encourage that person to begin dabbling in publicly com- public commentary, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's what makes great content and that's what sets you apart from anybody else because you have something unique to say that not everybody else is saying. Okay. So I, I hinted a little earlier that I wanted to talk for a little bit about a crisis plan. So let's say that you, um, you have a legitimate problem that's either a serious issue, borderline crisis, like what are the steps that you would recommend people take to try to, you know, handle this? And I say this knowing every crisis is different and they all have different obvious, you know, tactical plans or whatever, but at a high level, what can we, what can we give our listeners as far as like how they could be prepared for some level of crisis? Well, the first thing I'll say is that if you're in the middle of it, it's too late that you, you're, it's too late because what happens with human beings is we come become emotional in the moment and we react and respond differently than we would if we had a plan. Mm. So the very, very, very best thing you can do is have a plan. And I always call it your insurance policy. As soon as you have one and you create your scenarios and you rehearse and you role play and you revisit it every quarter, you won't have a crisis. It'll just never happen because that's Murphy's law. So it's your insurance policy. The moment you don't have it and you don't know what to do, you either call a crisis firm and pay a gazillion dollars that that you don't have because that's the only way to manage it, or you flounder through it. Those are, I mean, not to work myself out of out of a job, but those are neither one of those are really a great option. So when you think about, and I encourage. Every single person, it doesn't matter if you're a solopreneur or you're a, a, an employee on a team of 50 marketers, every single listener should have should be, be focused on creating a crisis plan. And it used to be that we'd create these crisis plans and then they just go in the drawer and we'd revisit them, you know, once, maybe if you're lucky once a quarter, maybe once a year. Not so, not so the case anymore. What you really want to do is sit in a room with a handful of people. And it could be, you know, if, if you, if you're on a, in a smaller business, it could, you could bring in customers, you could bring in friends, you could bring in people you trust, advisors, mentors, whoever it could be. And then of course, if you're in a bigger company, you want to bring in a smattering of people from different, um, departments because you want to have different ideas put on the table and for at least two hours brainstorm every single scenario that could possibly happen. And again, it's, you know, trolls are after you to, um, drunken, drunken intoxication, public intoxication with the CEO to extramarital affairs. Like you, you want to think about everything that you could possibly think. And luckily right now we have the opportunity to learn from others. So it could be, you know, this is us in Crockpot where Crockpot is accused of killing a fictional TV character and Crockpot is put into crisis mode. It could be, you could, 
create that scenario for yourself. It could be, you know, that you have to go testify before Congress because of something your company has done. Like there are lots of things that you can put into those scenarios. Right. Once you've done that, divide them up into your levels. So what goes under level one, level two, and on up to 10. And then you want to say, okay, what will take this from level one to level two and so on. So what escalates it? So you do all of that. And then at, you can, you know, let everybody go back to work. But as the, the marketer or the communicator, you want to spend your time, you want to build a dark website so that anything, anything that could be answered in a crisis could be turned on on a dime. So if something happens, you have a landing page or a microsite that you just hit publish on and it goes live so that people can get information. You want to include now that things could be like a blog. That could be, that could be a draft of a blog post in your existing could, site, right? Yep. If, absolutely. Yeah. It's just something that you have in draft form that literally you just hit publish on and it goes live, you know, understand how Facebook live works so that if you need to have your executives on video talking about things that are happening, they can, you can do that really, really, really quickly. Um, have messaging already drafted and approved by the by the legal team so that you don't have to wait, you know, six hours or 24 hours for them to approve stuff. Now, is this on uh, every single one of these scenarios? No, I would do it based on like what a would become a crisis. Okay. Yeah, and it would be generic. So you would actually add in the details later, right. but you have all the generic stuff. You have the generic messaging like, we're working on it. Here's right. when you can expect an update. This is what we're doing. Th those kinds of messaging you messaging you can have ready to go. All of that you want to have ready. We probably the should mention that is, a crisis could just even be your website's offline completely, right? I mean, like that's yeah. that's not yeah. like that's not an unusual circumstance where like you provide services online and all of a sudden none of your customers can get to your website for a day or two. You know, I mean, that's another yeah, example that's, of a crisis, right? <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's really real. I mean, how often do we go to Facebook to complain that Twitter is down and yeah. you can't go to, you can't go to Twitter to find out why they're down because Twitter's down. So yeah, same kind of thing. You want to have different, different areas where people can get information based on what it is. Once you have all of that, then you want to role play. And I think that's the most important part and, and it also goes to the reputation management and the transparency in communication that we've been talking about, which is, okay, if this happens, let, let, let's actually conduct an interview. Let's actually pretend that we're ang an angry mob coming after you. Let's, you know, practice, rehearse, role play, because that's what's going to get you really prepared. And that's what will take the emotion out of it so that when you are in the middle of it, you're you're reacting based on your plan, not based on how you feel. And I would imagine you probably should identify a few people in the company that will be the public face of the issue. Am I right? Yes, absolutely. Because not everybody is going to be able to get in front of the microphones and speak clearly, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and be able and to know and be able to know when they're getting soup. snuckered into a question, right? right. Like, like all you got to do is watch these TV shows, right, where they've got like. Uh, I watched this one with Kiefer Sutherland, you know, where he's the president and the press is always yeah. trying to ask him a question to kind of like snag him or whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. you got to be smart enough or not smart enough, but you got to be discernible enough to know when that's just, that's not the question and and when to <laughs> you do all those kind of things. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when they ask a question to respond with, well, actually the bigger question is this, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I mean, if you watched any of, of Zuckerberg's testimony, you saw him do you saw him do some of that. Exactly. So they would ask a question that he didn't have an answer to or didn't know. Yeah. And he would either say, 
I'm going to talk to my team and get Or back I think to you. what you're asking oh. is this, exactly, right. it would change the question. And then he right? would go back to his messaging, yes. He, he did pretty dang good, actually. I was impressed. I know. <laughs> Whoever he paid to coach him on that earned their money. I think sure. he's so, I think he's so non-emotional that, that, and it's, I saw a really cool graphic of data from Star Trek, you know, right. with, I don't know if you saw <laughs> that him. with yeah, his head on it, you know, I was yeah, like, yeah. that's dead on, you know, totally <laughs> nothing on. phases him. Exactly on. So, okay. So we do some role playing and rehearsing and then what, I mean, how often do we do this? And, you know, um, once a quarter, once a year, I would do it once a quarter. Okay. Yeah. And just, you know, you're not going to have to go through the big piece of it again, but just make sure that messaging is refreshed and updated. And I would definitely do the role playing because the role playing and the, you know, pretending that you're doing media interviews, that's, that's beneficial even without a crisis. So it's beneficial if you're doing Facebook live, if you're doing videos, if you're doing speaking engagements, that's beneficial across the board. So I would continue to do that. Now, if you have a crisis plan and you, you realize it's escaping your control at what point do you got? Do you have to call in someone like you? I mean, is that about when? I mean, I would imagine having all this is going to be better than doing nothing. And you might start this out and realize you need to bring in some professional help. That probably happens a lot. Am I right? It does happen quite a bit. It happened just on Friday. <laughs> yes. So, so you know that's better than just being too late, right? I mean, like that's the good news here, right? Is yeah. That, is absolutely. that is that if you can't just wait to hire someone like you after a few days of crisis. And and some might argue that there was a few days where, where Facebook did not respond publicly at all to Correct. this Cambridge yes, analytics. And they took a lot yep. of negative media heat on that, you know? Yes, they did. Yep. So in this case, they were clearly not prepared, you know, to deal with this. They were not prepared. But they turned they it around. They definitely brought in some help. Yeah. You, I mean, and you can tell by the way he handled himself that he definitely had some coaching. Awesome. Well, we could talk about this all day, um, but I know you talk about this um, on your podcast and on your website, and I know these are services that you provide to your clients. So I would love you to share where people can discover more about you and all the great things that you've got going on. Spinsucks.com. Awesome. Everything is there. And the podcast is there as well? It is It is there, yes. And if they want to search for it, it's two words, spin sucks, or one word, spin sucks, when it comes to the podcast? Uh, two words. Two words. I was words. trying to think how you would search it. Yeah, it's two words. Two words. Awesome. All right, Jenny Dietrich, thank you so much for coming on and, and uh, exploring this topic with me. I know it's a big topic, but I also know that if people listen to the last part of what we talked about, they're going to be at least more prepared for that inevitable day that they will be crazy, uh, facing either uh, an issue and or a crisis. So thanks for sharing your wisdom with us. It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's podcast interview. If you want to take some notes and you didn't have time to, don't worry, we got it all taken care of for you. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 302. Also, never miss a future episode of this podcast. Hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.